Romans now, Romans chapter 7, in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans, we took a couple weeks off for Christmas and talked about some of those things, but we're back in Romans chapter 7. Romans 6, 7, and 8 are about the victorious Christian life. I've said numerous times I've introduced the book of Romans. It's the theology book of the, of the New Testament, really the Bible. It talks about the plight of man. Man is, all men are sinners. And the, the deliverance by God and His grace through Jesus Christ and Him alone, by faith. And, and then he gets into, now that you're saved, how to live the Christian life. Well, there's going to be a struggle. And that's where he's at. In Romans 6, he talks about uh, the victory is in Jesus. It's all in Jesus. In chapter 8, he's going to talk about more of the victory in Jesus, really through His Spirit. It's interesting that chapter 6, the Spirit is not mentioned. Chapter 8 is all about the Spirit. We're going to get to that next few weeks, next week, and then on into the next few weeks. But in chapter 7, it's like the bottom falls out. All right, it's like Paul is, is I'm going to give you a good explanation in a minute, but, but in chapter 7, he, he talks about the law. Paul now, you understand, was a, a saved Jewish man. So he was a, a Pharisee, uh, a just strong Jewish man according to the law, blameless. And then he gets saved, and so uh, many of the Jews begin to attack him in his ministry, saying that you're against the law and, and you're speaking a, 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 against God's Word and against God's law and His temple and all of that. So Paul addresses that in a way that only he could do, making it, and of course God made it God's Word for us. But the first few verses of Romans 7, just as a review, you remember that Christians and the law, that he says we're dead to the law, that we should be married to another, Jesus, and bring forth fruit to God. So the law didn't die, but we died to the law, and we're married to another, Jesus Christ. And then the second part, which is really his first part of his spiritual autobiography, he realized that the law had worked in him to show him his need for Jesus Christ. The law, the purpose of the law had worked in Paul. The purpose of the law was to show you how sinful you are. But the law can't save you. The law says run, but it doesn't give you any legs to do it with. Grace says fly and gives you the wings to do. You know, that's what someone said. So that was the purpose. Now today, we're going to look at the second part of his spiritual biography, starting in verse 14. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. Now, bear with me as I go through these next verses, because these are tongue-tired verses, right? So if I get messed up on it, just... You want to volunteer to do it, I'll let you, okay? <laughs> for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now, 
If I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Lord, we ask that you would help me to seek to give the sense of these verses and we walk through here, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will illuminate our hearts and we'll all get something that we need this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. To me, this is one of the easiest passages in the Bible for me to identify with. And I think if you're honest, you would say the same thing because it, it tells the absolute truth of the believer. Now, some people think that this, this was Paul as a, as a lost man, but I don't at all believe that. And there's reasons why we're going to get to that. But, but um, I think it's a saved person trying to, to live his life for Jesus Christ. And I, I read one of the greatest uh, explanations of this by Dr. J. Vernon McGee. He says he believes that it was, there's three, three stages in Paul's life. First, he was a proud Pharisee under the Moses system kidding himself by bringing sacrifices and doing other things which he thought would make him right with God. All the while, the law was condemning him along the way. Then he got saved. That's the second period of his life, and he met Christ on the road to Damascus. Then when he turns to Christ, I believe Paul, and agreeing with Dr. McGee, he, he, he felt that he could now live the Christian life. In other words, he had served the devil so hard, now he's going to live for God with all that power. And he begins to live for God and begins to just serve God with abandonment. And then all of a sudden, he realizes a struggle's going on. And he says, and I, I agree with this, that there came a day when he realized, I can't live this life. It's Jesus that can. And he found the victory. But the victory was, like we were sung, in Jesus. And, and so I think that's a great introduction as we get into this. Because he realized that it's only by yielding and letting Jesus, through His Spirit, live His life through the believer and through Paul, that he could have the victory. So I think that's a good introduction. This is really the way of life for the child of God, someone who's sincerely trying to live the Christian life. We know that because in verse 22 he says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. A lost person doesn't delight in the law of God. Not at all. So we're going to look at that as we go through. So first of all, let's see this, number one, what Paul knew and what we must know. So what Paul knew and what we must know. He knew, first of all, that the law is spiritual. Verse 14, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual. Now Paul has stated in previous verses in Romans chapter 7 that there's a problem between himself and the law of God. But the problem wasn't the law, the problem was him. He said the law is perfect and holy and righteous and just, and it is. So he says, I know this thing, that the, that the law is spiritual. And the word spiritual means of divine spirit, belonging to God. In other words, the first five books of the Bible are considered the law. But we could just say the whole Bible 
The Bible, you know, if we say, well, I got a problem with that book. The problem is not with the book. The problem is with me. The law is spiritual. That means of the Holy Spirit. God authored the law. So there's nothing wrong with the law because the law is holy. It came from a holy God. So the problem, if there's a problem between me and the law, it's the problem is with me. So that's what he's saying. The law is spiritual. And then he says, secondly, that the flesh is sinful. So he says the law is spiritual. We know that the law is spiritual. But I'm carnal, sold under sin. The word carnal means fleshly. While the law would teach man to live godly, man's flesh is only interested in doing what is sinful. The law pulls us toward heaven. Flesh pulls us toward hell. And it's always going to do that. He's going to develop this. He says here that there's a part of me that's still under bondage to sin. He says, he says, law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. He's in bondage to sin. That old nature is alive and well in every one of us, and it, it's got worldly appetites. It longs to do what is wrong, according to God. So if you're saved here for a day, or, or you've been saved for 60 years, you know that your flesh still longs to do wrong. When will you be delivered? When we get to glory. Amen. Praise God for that. Till then, you can have victory. There's victory in Jesus. But there's a battle that's raging. Now go back, hold your finger there, and go back to 1 John chapter 3 for a moment. There's a part of me, when I'm saved, that cannot sin. And there's a part of me that all it wants to do is sin. 1 John 3, 9 says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed, God's seed, remain in, remaineth in him, and he cannot sin before, because he's born of God. So there's a part of me, praise God, that can't sin. That new man, that new creature where God dwells in my life cannot sin. But there's a part of me that's fleshly, that's still sold under sin. And this is a, a key to living the victorious life because we need to see that there's two natures in our life. Before you ever get victory in your life and, and learn to really walk with Jesus in victory, you need to realize that there's a part of you that is going to fight you the whole time. I've heard it compared to like two dogs in your heart, and they're constantly fighting against each other, and the one you feed is going to win. Well, I'll go with that illustration if we're talking about a Rottweiler and a Chihuahua. Okay? We're not talking about two equal dogs. Now, a Rottweiler is big, and he's bad. A Chihuahua is little, and he thinks he's bad. Okay? And your flesh is little. Your flesh is no comparison to God. Because God's going to win out if you feed Him and you, you yield to Him. But that flesh isn't going to go down hard. My dog, little Peanut, he's such a mellow cat. Really a cat. He sleeps a lot, like a cat. But he'll take off after a big dog. And I'll say, you don't want to go there. He'll chew you up, and I'm glad he hits the end of that leash because he's like, no, Peanut, you don't want to go after it. And those big dogs, you know, they're like, what are you doing? You know, but something about these little chihuahuas, they just got an attitude. Well, that's our flesh. So if you want to compare the dog thing, then that's it. Notice uh, back in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read this verse a couple times as we go through because this, Paul again writing, and he gives that, that illustration here. 
In Galatians chapter 5, he says in verse 16, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. The word lusteth means desires to control. It's a strong word. Now, depending on, usually you use it in a sexual connotation, but that's not, it's used here, it just means a desire. The flesh desires to control, and it lusts against the spirit. He goes on, he says, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So the flesh in me and the spirit in me is irreconcilable and incompatible. Now, I'm not talking about, some people say, this is spiritual schizophrenia. No, it's not. You have, you have the nature of God within you if you're saved, and you have the nat- your old nature. I wish the old nature was eradicated, but it's not. Really, with it not being eradicated, it, it makes me yield to God more and more, and that's probably why God left it there. Because you realize you can't live the Christian life without Jesus, without His help. So this is what Paul knew and what we must know. The second thing is how Paul struggled and how we struggle. And we see, first of all, the contest. Verse 15 of Romans 7. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Here's the contest. Paul describes the struggle that exists within the believer. The word allow in verse number 15 means to, to know. So he, what he's saying is, that which I, I know not, I, I don't even know why I'm doing what I'm doing when I sin against God. That doesn't mean that he's not taking responsibility for that, because we have to take responsibility for our actions. But once you're saved, you start living for God, you start growing in the Christian life, and you've experienced this. I know you've experienced I've experienced this over and over again. Something will happen, and you'll say something, or you'll do something, and you're like, where did that come from? That's what Paul's saying here. I don't even know. I don't even know what happened right there. You know, really. I mean, every now and then I'll still use a hammer. Like, I was a mechanic. I can still do a few things on my car, but I'm not going to work on yours, so don't even ask me. So, But I can still do a few things and use a hammer, and every now and then... I'll hit my finger with a hammer or something like that. And what comes out of my mouth is not praise Jesus. You know, it it ought to be, but sometimes it's not. And I'm like, where did that come from? I know where it came from. My nature, my sinful nature. And you've got one too. And there's a battle. Paul says, what not? There's a contest going on here. Um, And he's being very honest here too. I think this helps us because he's being very honest transparent. That new man who came to Christ on the road to Damascus wants to do the will of God and strives to do so, but at the same time there's another part of Paul that yearns for everything that the law denies. What he's saying is that what God says something, God says something is good, the flesh wants just the opposite. And when the law says something's bad, that's what the flesh wants. And there's a struggle going on. So there's a contest going on. There again, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. Then the contestants, verses 18 and 19. For I know that in me, 
By the way, we're going to get back to verse 17, so we're not skipping it. We'll come back to it. But verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. So he tells us there's really two Pauls. There's the old man, there's the new man. One wants to do right, the other one wants to do wrong. The two men that share one body fight over everything. That's what he's saying, spiritually speaking. He finds that he's hindered when it comes to do the right thing, and he's helped when he comes to do the wrong thing. How many of us can identify with that? Really? I mean, there's a part of us that wants to please God. When you're saved, there's a part of you that wants to please God. But you've got to realize there's also a part of you that doesn't. And this struggle is not, you, you say, man, does anybody else have this struggle? Yes, everybody has this struggle. If you don't have this struggle, you're not saved. Because part of knowing that you're saved is that, you know, you didn't have this struggle before you got saved. You said, man, I don't have any problem with anything. I'm, I'm good. Well, then you're not saved. Because when you get saved and you start living for God, start doing right, you find out all of a sudden that there's an opposition there. Don't give up. Don't throw your hands up and say, well, I just can't do it then. No, 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 no. That's what the devil wants. What you do is just run to Jesus. Got to lean hard on Jesus. And it can be a very frustrating way of life if we don't yield or learn to yield to God. So that's the, con the contestants that are there. Then the conclusion, look at verse 17. It's not conclusion of the message, so don't get excited. It's just a it's another C on my outline, right? Verse 17. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now the I there is the new nature. Sin is the old nature. So when he talks about sin in this passage, it's personified, meaning the sin nature. Not necessarily a sin or a certain sin, but the sin nature. He says, no longer I, the new man, that do it, but it's the sin nature in me. The old sin nature. The good news is, it's not going to be saved. There's a part of you that didn't get saved. That's the old sin nature. And the word dwelleth means that it lives with me. He says, I find then, is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. It's like me and my wife dwell together. We live together. He said, sin lives in me. That's the struggle we have. And it's hard to keep our motives pure, isn't it? It's difficult to control our thought processes. And the only people that don't struggle with the sinful nature are the people that don't have the new nature. The old nature, Ephesians chapter 2, is the natural nature of an old, of an old man. Listen to this, Ephesians 2, 1, and 3, or 1 through 3. And you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's a lost person. But that nature, that sinful nature that's there, doesn't di disappear when you get saved. The new nature comes in, and he wants to dominate. So the conclusion is, there is victory. It's in Jesus. 
And there again, let me say, and let me use a note from a, one of the commentaries I said, this guy was saying, is it no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me? Is Paul denying the responsibility as a sinner? He said, well, you know, it's really not my fault. Now, I might work in court, but it doesn't work with God. Okay? What he's saying is, he recognizes that as he sins, he acts against his nature, not the new man, Jesus, inside of him. A Christian must own up to his own sin, yet he realizes that the impulse of sin does not come from who we really are in Jesus Christ. So that helps me as a believer. Where does that come from? It comes from that old nature. And you're always going to have that old nature. So what do you do? Back to Romans chapter 6. You die daily. You die to that flesh. You say, God put to death that flesh in me. I hate it. I know you hate it. And I hate it. I don't want to be there. I don't want to go there. Lord, that thought is against you. Help me, God. Cleanse me. It drives us to the cross. You see, Jesus died on the cross not just to save us from sin, but Jesus died on the cross to save us from self. And myself daily needs to be saved. When I was saved, God saved me from the very power of sin. The power of sin is hell. If a person dies in their sins, they go directly to hell. That's what the Bible says. Once you're saved, God saves us from the presence, the power of sin, that indwelling sin. And, and so we have the flesh that's one of our enemies. The flesh lives in a world that's controlled by Satan. And so the world, the flesh, and the devil is our enemies. We live in that world. But Jesus saves me from the power of sin. And one day He'll save me from the very presence of sin. When I'll be with Him, there'll be no more sin. No more world to deal with. No more Satan to deal with. Till that time, we're being saved from the very power of sin. And He says here in, uh, in verse 20, I believe it is, he says, now, it is no, oh, I missed a page. I'm sorry. I lost the notes. I lost notes. Man, it's bad when you're tied to your notes. I don't want to be tied to my notes. But what he's saying is there's the, the, the conclusion is that there's victory in Jesus. So that's what he knew. Now, what Paul found, number three in your outline, what Paul found and what we find. First of all, he found a companion, verse 21. He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Has anybody else found that law? Yeah. You find that law daily. You get up, you want to do good, evil's present with you. That's that companion. We're challenged. He's present. He's right there. Every good word, every good deed, every good thought, every good motive, every good thing is challenged by evil. Always a battle going on. Always a battle. Look at his confession, verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Well, that lets us know that Paul is saved. He delights in the law of God. He wants to do God's will. There again, on the other hand, if you don't have a struggle, you're probably not saved. If you don't have a delight for God, you're probably not saved. A saved person wants God. They want God's Word. Now, your, your appetite might be different than somebody else's appetite, but you have one. Life will, will birth, birth will be followed by life, and you're hungry. Those babies that are born, they're hungry. You come into this world, you're hungry for the things of God. You may not know all that you want to know. You'll never know all that you want to know. 
but you're growing in Christ. That's his confession. He loved the Word. And by the way, all through the Bible we find guys that really love God that have a, had a problem with sin. What about Job? Job was a, a wonderful, godly man. Nobody liked him, yet he struggled with that nature. And he, he didn't have the old nature, new nature like we have in the, in the New Testament. But what about David? David said, I think Psalm 119.97, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. That Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. He magnifies the Word of God. Yet the last verse of that psalm is, Keep me from wandering from you. It's like that wonderful song we sing, Come Thou Fount. You know, it says, Oh, my heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Well, that, that, that's that nature that's there, and that's what Paul was struggling with. He loved the law. If a person hears the Word of God and constantly resists doing things God's way, that tells us that a person's not even saved. When God saves you, He put a desire in you to please God and to do His will. Then thirdly, a captivity, there verse 23. But I see then another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Twice he uses the word members. And members there, if you remember back in chapter 6, members are, are what we're supposed to yield to God. Members are your hands, your eyes, your nose, your feet, your, your, your lips, your tongue, what you hear. You know, you love, hey listen, you and I both, hey, you know what, we're prone to look at the wrong thing. And you know the advertising people know this. That's why when you're surfing the internet and just reading maybe a news site, some ungodly site will pop up hoping that you'll click on it because your eyes want the wrong thing. Sometimes you hear, you hear some people over here gossiping and you don't, you don't walk away. Sometimes you go, because you long, your members long to hear that kind of stuff. You want to hear, what's that going on? Or, you know, let me share a prayer request with you. Well, you never pray. You always just talk. Because we, we long at flesh. Our members love to, our eyes, they want to look the wrong. Our hands, they want to do the wrong. Our feet sometimes, they want to go the wrong places. That's why he said, there's a war in my members. Now, there's nothing wrong with your salvation. Right? Look at chapter 8, verse 1. And we'll expound on this next week. But he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, he's going to tell us in that chapter how to walk. We know there's a struggle going on, but don't walk after the flesh, walk after the Spirit. But as far as my standing before God, the moment I got saved, I'm holy before God. It's not the fact that I'm going to lose my salvation by sinning, by this struggle that's going on, by this ever-present struggle that I want to do right, but I can't find myself doing right, and I, want to, I don't want to do wrong, but all I find myself is doing wrong. That struggle is natural, but my salvation is sealed before God. So we need to know that. that those, those members are, are warring in our, in our bodies. But then lastly, praise God, how Paul won and how we win. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who? And that word who is important. It's not what, it's who. Who shall deliver me from this, the body of this death? Paul's cry. He expresses his desire to be free from the decaying fleshly nature. He wants to be free. I think he's frustrated, like we can get. 
and he just cries out to God. The word wretched means exhausted through hard labor. Oh, that should be the desire of all of our children, all of God's children, that we would be, want to be delivered from this wretched body. We want to be free. He says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? There was a, a custom in Rome that one of the way they one of the ways that they they punished murderers was very very graphic come here vinny you want to help me come here what they would do is they would if a man was found guilty of murder you're going to play like you're dead for a minute don't fall over or anything like that but they would they would take that murdered body and they would tie it to the, to the guilty person. They would tie it to him face to face, like this. They'd tie it to him, just like this. Just like this. I mean, face to face, nose to nose. Wrap ropes around and tie it to him and then throw him out into the Mediterranean sun and let that sun decay that body. And what would happen is this dead body would kill the murder person, the murderer. It would eat his body away. Thanks, but it would it would eat. <laughs> you can live now. It would eat that murderer's body away until he died. That was his death penalty. And so when when Paul said, "Deliver me from this body of death," that's what he's saying. There's a a dead, decaying part of me that's just clinging on. God, deliver me. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then the answer comes, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now, that's his Christ. So you got Paul's cry, and then you've got Paul's Christ. Just as there's victory in salvation, there's victory from self. There's sanctification in Jesus Christ. And this is not just that I can't wait to be delivered from that body when I die, because that's ultimately, right? Like one guy says, whether it's through the clods or through the clouds, I'm going to be delivered from that body. But that's not what he's talking about, just that day. That day's coming, and we ought to long for that day. But we got a lot of living to do, maybe, before God does that. We don't know how long. But until that day, Jesus is still the answer. We, we run to Him. He delivers us from that and gives us a victory right now. And there are times when I do what He wants me to do. There are times when I do His will perfectly. There are times when I, when I serve Him like I should. And those times ought to, ought to make me want to do it more and want to do it always. But I know that there's a struggle. And I want to tell you something. As we go through Romans 8, you're going to see that the Spirit is the answer and how He applies God's Word to you. And how you, when you, have, when you let the Holy Spirit have access to your body, to your members, God is going to give you victory more and more through your life. You shouldn't be struggling with the same things you were as a new Christian. You know, I remember when I first got saved, it's like everything was wrong. You know, every, my music was wrong, the way I talked was wrong, the, my, my attitude was wrong, what I, my thought life was wrong. And I want to say that flesh is still there, but you do grow in Christ. My flesh hasn't got any better. Your flesh 
I don't care if you've been sitting in church, been a church member all your life. Your flesh is still capable of committing murder. Your flesh is still capable of mean, evil thoughts, whether you do it or not. Your flesh is still capable of adultery. Your flesh is, you say, oh, not me. Oh, you're, you're looking for trouble. He that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. You might have been in a church all your life. You still have an evil flesh that will never be saved. It'll be, it'll be die when we are delivered. Paul's choice, verse 25, the latter part of the verse, he says, So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now this is a, it's not a declaration of his defeat. He's not saying he's just going to keep on sinning. What he's saying is, well, he's recognizing that there's a struggle. And he says, it's going on, but I'm going to keep, keep fighting. I'm going to keep fighting in God's power. And that's what we need to, to make up our minds. We're going to win this war in Jesus' power. We're going to live for Jesus, but it's only in His strength. It's not my resolve. It's not my rededication that's going to do it. It's not my whatever. It's Jesus and Him alone. We're going to talk about His, we're talking about His sanctification in our life. Now we're going to talk about, partly tonight, His satisfaction in our life. What do you need more of to live a holier Christian life? You need Jesus. And you've got, all you, you, you've got all of Him. As the song says, we are complete in Christ. But how much, how much of you does He have? Are you yielding your life to Him? And that's what Paul's talking about here, yielding our lives to Him. The battle is the Lord's. As we yield to Him, we win every time. But Jesus is the answer, and Him alone. And, you know, I believe... Absolutely that Paul is a saved man having a struggle. But let's just say, what if he was a lost man having a struggle? I want to tell you something. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for everyone. Every boy, girl, man, woman. Jesus shed his blood for every person in this world. That's why we send missionaries like the Georges to Argentina. I don't know those people in Argentina, but I know they struggle with the same things I struggle with. They struggle with the same sin nature because they're sons of Adam, and they need to be saved. And no matter where you're from or, or who you are this morning, you need Jesus and Him alone for salvation. It's not Him plus the church. It's not Him plus the baptism. It's not Him plus the communion. It's Him and Him alone. And if you're not trusted in Him and Him alone, you need to just repent. That means to, to turn from whatever you're trusted in and to totally turn to Jesus and trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Father, thank You for the Word this morning. Thank You for the privilege to stand and preach Your Word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would apply this Word to people's lives as only You can. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand today? We're going to have a time of invitation. If you need to come and pray, feel free to come. If, you need, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you'd like to know for sure you're on your way to heaven.